Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Renoites. My name is Connor McQuibby. I'm your host, as always. Thank you so much for joining the show this week. I am very excited that this week I am speaking with other podcasters. About a year ago, I was on a show called Up in the Mix, another local Reno podcast. And this week on Renoites, we are talking podcasting. Reno has a variety of local podcasts, different formats, covering different issues. And about a year ago, I was grateful to be invited to appear on Up in the Mix, a podcast and radio show on K-Wink, hosted by Sean Richardson and Cesar Lopez. Up in the Mix is a hip-hop-inspired news and interview show that is beginning its fifth season and has released hundreds of episodes so far, many more than I have. It was great to have Sean and Caesar join me on Renoites to discuss the history of their podcast, what they think about when they're looking for guests, what's missing from the local podcast community, creating both a podcast and radio show at the same time, as well as their lives outside of the podcast. Sean is a high school teacher with Wash County School District, and Caesar is a photographer. It was a really great conversation, and I'm grateful that the guys came on my show after I was able to go on their show a while back. Renoites is a listener-funded project. I'm a big believer in audience-supported over advertiser-driven media, and you can help Renoites continue to grow and provide stories and information by becoming an official patron of the show. You can just go to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Renoites to learn a little bit more and sign up for as little as a few dollars a month just about a buck an episode. There's also some great perks for patrons like early or exclusive content, some Renoite swag, shoutouts on the show, stuff like that. So I hope you will check that out and consider supporting the show financially. As always, if you have any guest or topic suggestions, please shoot me an email. My email address is connor, C-O-N-O-R, at renoites.com, or send me a message on Instagram, at renoites, a great way to get a hold of me as well. Thank you so much for listening, and now this week's guest... Sean Richardson and Cesar Lopez from Up in the Mix. Sean Richardson, Cesar Lopez from Up in the Mix. Welcome to Reno Whites. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. It, yeah. It's fun us. that yeah. uh, I'm actually in your studio. I'm so, <laughs> Welcome to my show, but here we are in Sean's basement recording in the Up in the Mix studio. You know, the honeycomb hideout. Right. Uh, it is good to be back here. I was on your podcast about a year ago. I was looking back. It was, I think, November maybe last year. Uh, so it's cool to be back with you guys and doing an episode of Reno Whites. Um, kind of catching up a little bit and talking mostly about podcasting because we talked a little bit about podcasting on our episode a year ago but then i was writing questions for today and it was all about like (laughs) how do you do your show when did you start it what's it all about so that's mostly what we're going to talk about today is um you know up in the mix so to start can you just tell me a little bit about what up in the mix is like what's the format of it how did it get started what kind of show if you had to describe to someone would you say it is uh it's entertainment i would start off like comedy um That was kind of the idea behind it. We just liked to argue and discuss, you know, things hanging out and yeah. someone L- loudly su- discuss. <laughs> <laughs> someone suggested to Caesar that we should have a podcast. And I mean, this was like seven years ago. And we kind of kicked around with the idea. And eventually, we uh, the Holland Project actually had a workshop on podcasting. Okay. And we went to that. And then uh, we went to another one, too, at the Reno Collective. Yeah, the one that's actually right down the road on Mount Rose, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we went to another one there and got ideas. And then we, we got a, a Zoom. My Zoom recorder. Just Zoom recorder. I was going to use it to do video. I was trying to do video, and I'm still not doing video. Yeah. Well, the video is a lot more work. Like One of the things that I have specifically avoided is doing very much video-type content around the podcast because it's more editing, and it's like, I don't know how to use a camera. I don't know what I'm doing. It is hard as a one-person show kind of thing. You know, you definitely need 
assistance or help or if you could hire people. That yeah. Helps out mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> like, but that's how it started. Yeah. Just, uh, Sean and I, you know, at public house, kind of like, like I said, loudly discussing <laughs> because, you know, we would always listen to each other's side. And then from there, we would like come back at each other and like just very loudly and kind of, you know, inebriated. But more, yeah, more just like just messing with each other uh-huh. than, you know, seriously arguing. Mm-hmm. And so it was inter- you know, entertaining. And once we got started, we realized like we should interview people. And then once we found out people started listening, we we're like, okay, we should use this to like highlight people around the community. Like we're involved with all these people doing great things in the community. Let's use this platform we unexpectedly have to you know, promote the things we like and people doing good for others around. And it kind of evolved. And it, that was six, five and a half years ago. And like that, here yeah. we are. Mm-hmm. Right on. How did you guys know each other before? Uh, we went to high school. Like he was uh, my brother's year in high school and they went to UNLV at the same time. And when he moved back here, we ended up hanging out all the time, going to shows and eventually we're neighbors. Just hip hop, you know. Right put us together yeah well there's a, there's like a music element on your show too right i've i was thinking about all the different there's kind of like a podcast community in reno a little bit there's a bunch of different podcasts that do different kind of formats and you have music as part of your show is like you know mm-hmm. on every episode basically has that always been part of the show or how's the show kind of changed format wise has the music always been there has it always you know you said you added interviews kind of a little bit later shout out to my my homie johnny hip-hop johnny he suggested um, when we when we really nailed the format down, we had, we had three segments and we did breaks. And uh, if we were interviewing someone, we would we kind of got the formula down like a year and a half, two years in. And he was like, "You should play a song on the breaks and talk about the song. That way, you can share music with people and kind of review songs." Mm-hmm. And we already, you know, we have a radio show on K Wink, so we were already playing music and researching music and talking about music. So it was a super easy extension just to add some to the podcast and Mm -hmm. you know each of us we play a song of the week and kind of review a song so we can you know introduce new songs to people or if we have a musician on we will play you know their music Mm -hmm. during that time oh yeah yeah it it works out great gotcha well um, what's the k-wing show is that is that different than up in the mix i did not realize it's called up in the mix it's called see this is the thing we always try to differentiate with people so up in the mix is uh a lot of uh music on the on k-wing a lot of music a little bit of talking Podcast, a lot of talking, a little bit of music. Gotcha. And they're both they're both called Up in the Mix. And they're right. both called Up in the Mix. Mm-hmm. So we tell people Up in the Mix is a radio show and a podcast, two separate things, but yeah. similarly joined by our shared love of hip hop and, yeah. and the culture. Because with the podcast, we you know have conversations about what's going on in the world and the culture and things like that. And then the radio show, we kind of like depends on if we have a theme or not. We mm-hmm. talk about a lot of music, why we like it, and kind of break it down little by little. Gotcha. So wait, which came first? The podcast came first and then you did the show That's on queuing? the serendipity of it. Yes. We were planning the <laughs> podcast and we had started practicing, recording practice episodes and we had planned a launch date for our, the middle of October in 2017. And about a month before that, uh, I was approached by Tom from K-Wink, the general manager, about having a show when the, when the show launched. I was on the board of directors at Holland Project and they were a partner and they were looking for DJs and he knew I was a musician and into music. I met with him maybe a month before we were going to launch the podcast and he was like, whatever you want to do for the radio show, you can play whatever you want. You can have any format. And I went immediately to the pot of Caesar. I was like, can you believe we always dreamed of this? <laughs> right. 
We can play whatever, whatever music we, we want. want. Like, there's brand new music that like comes out that week. We could play it before any of the radio stations, anything on any satellite radio before it goes into circulation. And so they literally launched a week apart. We posted the first episodes of the podcast like October 17th, and uh, K Wink debuted on Halloween. Like 31st. Mm-hmm. We were. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we were on Wednesday nights at first, and then we've and then been shortly. Friday nights. Yeah. We uh, we did two hours. We asked to do mm. two hours, which we didn't know what a commitment all this yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> like, we didn't know. Like, yeah. like, oh, Two-hour radio show plus podcast. And we're going to do this Research. every week. People people don't know behind the, behind the <laughs> scenes. But we stupidly agreed to that. And then right after that, Caesar left for two weeks to go to Europe. <laughs> so I was, like, figuring all this out on my own, using other people's equipment. Mm-hmm. But, uh we got started and people liked the show. We moved to Friday night and we've been on that Friday night block from nine to 11 ever since. And they've kind of built a hip hop night around our show with like three or four other shows. And rad. We just kept, we didn't know what we were doing. So we just kept doing it stupidly. I mean, that's how I, I think that that's the best thing you can do. If you don't know how to do something, just do it anyways. And just like suck at it at first or figure it out as you go. Hopefully you didn't suck at it at first, but you know, the, we would you we know, did, make we did, we all silly did, mistakes, you know. like, you know, realize we were so, like, unfamiliar with the recording part of it mm. that it was like if we messed up while recording, it was like, oh, my God. I'm like. We got to start all over. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just going back, you know, we weren't confident with editing and, mm. or just, like, if you misspeak or something, it's like. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, especially with the radio show when, you know, we're talking three or four minutes at a time. So it's not. It's not a lot. It's but... not a lot. You know, that's not, it's not brain surgery. Right. It's like, an, if you don't have anything uh, to talk about, <laughs> just go put the music. Play on. the music. Exactly. Yeah. Do you, do you have like a preference between the, the radio show and the podcast as far as the type of content that you like to do? Uh, for me, not really, because they hit both things I like to talk about. Mm. So, like the radio show, obviously, we talk about a lot of music and the little nuances in like whatever songs we pick. But then in the radio show, we get to talk about big cultural things like what just happened this week and like or new songs this week or anything like that. And it's just, it hits, it hits differently, but it hits the same. Mm. Yeah. The radio show is more of just fun hanging out. Like, we're just two music fans, and like we play music for each other too. Gotcha. I mean, like you know, because we we make the playlist beforehand, but we don't interact while we do it. It's all on like a Google Doc. Oh, okay. And I'll like make it, and I'll I always go first, and I'll like come up with a theme or something, and then he plays off what I do. So then, and then I'll mix it before the show, and I'll I'll be I'm like, oh my god, this is great, you know, yeah. like or he'll play something. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I was thinking of playing that, and we'll have guests on like the to pick music too, just mm-hmm. to get it different perspectives so that's fun the podcast is a lot more work right like, yeah. we got to prep yeah especially if we're having guests research know, on guests. Guests. If we don't have a guest and like researching things to talk about so you know we have some sort of outline on w- what to do yeah we could really use a, what a producer about. and an intern <laughs> yeah out there like you know might not be paid but there's a lot of good experience mm-hmm. well this last season i had a a practicum student from the journalism school uh, Lynn Lazar, who helped me as a co-producer basically this last season, hosted an entire episode, helped with uh, editing and coming up with questions for guests and basically everything is a co-producer would do. And it was rad. Highly, highly recommend if you can have someone help you with the show. I actually, yeah. it makes a world, I got- It's a world of difference. Even just to have someone to bounce ideas off of too, because as you know, Reno Ice has been a solo project basically from the beginning until just recently. So having to do everything as just one person. 
Uh, it's a lot of work as far as like yeah. things to do, but also yeah, it, it's hard. Man. Yeah, and it's so hard. And you just don't have anyone to kind of like bounce ideas off of and uh, and work things out. Sometimes it helps to talk things out. Mm-hmm. And when you're just doing a show by yourself, it's kind of like I don't know if this is going to work or I not. Don't know how I don't you know. do it. Like, yeah. it's because we're both in charge of like finding guests. We're both in mm-hmm. charge of you know questions, and we both like we have like some set of questions for people but it always I only have to come up with half the content yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask how you guys divide kind of the uh the labor of like who's who's doing what as far as content or editing or production stuff or how do you yeah. split that stuff up so like editing wise like sean edits the the podcast i edit the radio show but like finding people because we we're both part of the community mm-hmm. and we both we're kind of like intersect a little bit in the community but we both have different people that we talk to in the community mm-hmm. so then it's easy to be like hey i got a couple people and i bring it by sean and be like all right cool those kind of fit you know and he'll be like all right cool he sends me some and i'll be like mm, yes they fit sometimes they don't you mm-hmm. know and it just we play off each other and as far as production i'm more of the producer he's more of the engineer Gotcha. Okay. So the technical stuff is that's a huge challenge for me because I have no background. I know Sean, you you're a musician, so you have like a background in music, um, and you're like a technical person, photography and stuff. Like you you know you both know how to use things. Yes. Uh, and I I don't know I don't know anything. <laughs> uh, so it's been really a wild experience for me trying to just as a complete amateur. I'd never recorded anything for, before I started the podcast. So figuring out just like how to record, what microphone to use, like how how high to turn it up, how far away to be from it, like coaching guests on how they should be on a microphone when I don't even really know. And especially when guests, they don't know because like mm. they might sit down at our desk and this is their first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I try my best to make it like a comfortable guest experience for everyone. That's something I try to do, but I definitely feel like I'm faking a lot when I'm like, oh, yeah, this will sound great. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm like, I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> what, fake it till you make it? Yeah, well, I, I mean, it's worked out. You know, I, I am an amateur, but I think one of my goals was to make sure that my podcast sounded legit, that it didn't sound like I was recording it on my cell phone. That was my major mission. I feel like I met that. So that's my that's yeah. my bar. So that was that was good. And you learn a lot when you do trial by fire. Oh, know? totally. Yeah. Yeah, I had I did have one episode where the guest um they said they had a microphone, but then it turned out they didn't have their microphone with them or something and it sounded really bad. And it's one the one episode where I'm just like, Oh man, I listened to it, I'm like, that sounds bad. So now a lesson learned. Now I'd like I'm adamant about it. I'm like, nope, we're we're not doing it unless we have like some right. proper equipment. And yeah. that's why it works out with us because we're set up for probably like eight or ten people now, maybe. Yeah, we had an episode <laughs> early on with like eight people and we just and I had like because I was in like multiple bands, so I had so many like microphones, mm-hmm. mic cables, all that kind of stuff. So it was easy. We just got a couple splitters, and mm-hmm. I think we had eight people on a Zoom. Oh god, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> it was like we were just all sitting in a, in in my spare bedroom in a circle, just <laughs> yeah. talking, hanging out. It, it's it gets crazy, but it mm-hmm. was also fun. I think people en- enjoyed it, but I think we've definitely tightened things up over time just because. It's just more efficient. And it's just practice much... repetition, just like anything else. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned guests. What kind of guests do you like to have on the show? I know I've l- looked through your guest list and it's like super varied. What type of people do you think make for good guests on your particular show? I, I feel people that are doing good in the community that we need to give shine to, mm. you know? So if it's a politician or someone doing music or, you know, an artist, whatever medium, you know, that people don't really get to see or hear their little story about what they do, how they do it, and, you know, show that it is important mm-hmm. for the community here. 
Yeah. Like people, I mean, we've had business owners on and we talk yes. about the process of owning a business and starting your own business. Or uh, we just had on our friend's son, who's a senior in high school and he's a musician and hearing his perspective on high school nowadays and oh, even yeah. as a teacher yeah, right. it's, and like him you know, being a musician in the weird space he's in, you know, like as a semi-famous high right. schooler <laughs> that everyone oh, at yeah. his school, you know, like hearing that perspective and just, you know, trying to provide different perspectives from people who maybe wouldn't get their, their story told or heard. Like we definitely looked at it as like providing a, a black and Hispanic perspective on what's going on in mm-hmm. Reno and like our friend group and, People who behind, like a lot of people who work behind the scenes are doing things in the community, but don't necessarily get the recognition or, you know, people don't know what's going on, you know, people doing the dirty work and, and, you know, the hard work behind the scenes to, to better the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's important stuff. I'm trying to have as wide a variety as I can with the show because it's kind of the, the goal for my show. I'm trying to be like the, the long form interview show. That's basically like anyone who's a notable in Reno sort of, which is a challenge because then I'm like, okay, well now I have to push myself to get people who are familiar to the audience already. Instead of, you know, I try to bring people who have a story to share who we haven't heard from before, but I'm also every season trying to be like, okay, well who's like someone that everyone knows who I can like beg to come on the show. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been interesting because at first when I started the podcast, I was like, I thought it was really dorky to ask anyone to come on a podcast. Like podcasts have a bad rap. I know, understand that. Like uh, I'm a like 30 something white dude who wants to be a podcaster. Not not cool. But I was surprised by how many people really do want to come and tell their stories. And they get excited. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. You're like I thought I was going to ask and people would be like, "Ugh, I don't want to do that dumb thing." But I ask people and they're like, "Oh, yeah, that sounds awesome." Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that like giving <laughs> giving people a platform has been really rewarding because I think people actually like they appreciate it. They like it. I'm glad we started our podcast when we did because I feel like a lot of people didn't know what podcasts were. Mm-hmm. No, no. So we were more explaining to people uh, what podcasts were yeah. instead of getting that negative feedback. Yeah, you got there before the stigma set in for podcasters. <laughs> and we've been listening to podcasts for a while. One of my favorites that kind of like wanted me to do it was the Combat Jack show. And, you know, RIP to Combat Jack himself. He would like bring hip hop artists that he knew and he would ask questions that I would ask them. So then from there, I was just like, if I bring guests, I want to ask them different questions than what, like, the basic media asks. Mm-hmm. And, and it it grew. I mean, we were first interviewing people we knew, personally. Yeah. And then uh, we were just, like, started shooting our shots. We reached out to a band that we had seen a couple times and, like, had talked to that was coming to Reno that we really liked. Yeah. And they're, like, doing a show in Truckee. We're like, hey, we're going to... We plan on coming to see you guys. Would you want to be on our podcast beforehand? And mm-hmm. they agreed to it. And it was yeah. so, it was so, we were so nervous. It was so <laughs> nerve wracking, but they had yeah. such a great time. And mm-hmm. like, we ended up becoming friends with them. Mm-hmm. But like, that gave us the confidence to go out and, all right, we can hit up strangers or totally. people we see. And then, uh, even then strangers we, hit us. Up. Yeah. Then we yeah. had a, a performer that was coming up for Earth Day. She was from Las Vegas. Her friend listened to our podcast and None was of us like, know the we don't either. know who oh, this person is or anything. Yeah. And she, they were like, she's like, you should hit these guys up. And I thought it was a joke, honestly. <laughs> like, got a random Facebook message. Yeah. I want to be, I'm a musician. You know, I'm coming, I'm performing Earth Day. I'm only going to be in Reno for one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, could I be on your podcast? And like, for the bravery of her to like come into like some random dude's house <laughs> in Sean's spare bedroom with two other dudes, like, you know, so it was her, it was wild. Like, yeah. yeah, she took like literally flew that morning, took a a, a lift to Idlewild Park, performed. performed, took a lift to my house, 
podcast. did the interview yeah, then and then home. like took a lift to the airport and flew back to Vegas. Yeah. Oh, that's rad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm very grateful that. So my first guest was Bob Conrad, and I know you you work with this is Reno, right? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Bob Conrad was the first guest on the show, and I am so grateful because I think that from the very beginning that kind of like set a little bit of a tone of like, okay, this is we're having a conversation about journalism. This is like a local established respected journalist. Like it's, it was a like quote unquote real guest from the get go, <laughs> uh, which really helped a lot with the confidence as far as me feeling like, okay, cool. This is a thing that I can ask people to do. But yeah, it's super flattering. The, the first time that I felt like uh, so dorky, like a local celebrity. I was at the farmer's market and I was wearing a Reno Heights like baseball cap. <laughs> and uh, a guy came up to me and was like, oh, hey, you're, do you do that show? And I was like, oh yeah, that's me. And he was like someone who I had, who I didn't know. I can't remember how he found the show. I but I was when, like, I love when that happens. It's I was weird. like, dude, that's amazing. It's it's so awkward. I always, <laughs> I always text Sean. I was like, people, yo, this guy just came up to me or this girl just came up to me and was like, yo, I hear your podcast all the week. And I was like, yeah. like, like, like up like, in the mix, right? Yeah. And, uh, right. And, uh, it's, it's not just, it's not something, I don't know, you get, I don't know how you get used to yeah. it. Yeah. I, don't, I think it's fun. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's fun, <laughs> but also awkward yeah. because oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely like, weird. Especially you know, only hearing your voice. Mm-hmm. People don't, no, it's like we can have a normal interaction. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a different dynamic to be talking on a recorded conversation on a thing and just like running because sometimes like when I'm recording, I'm always in the mood to be having a conversation. But when I'm walking around at the farmer's market, who knows if I feel like talking to a stranger? Or you're like at dinner yeah. or something, right? You're like doing other things. That, yeah. yeah, but I'm always like appreciative. Like, oh yeah, yeah. They listen. I'm like, yeah. I'll take the time you. to talk to. Oh, totally. Like, and, you know, we'll give them a quick shout out. Absolutely, and and all and almost every time that I meet people who are familiar with the show, it's fun and it's enjoyable. And I'm I'm never like, oh god, I don't want to talk to this person. Like right. it's it's flattering. I love it. I'm all about it. How many show? How many episodes have you done? So you've been doing this for like seven years. Do you keep track of how many episodes <laughs> yes, you're doing? I can tell you right now. So the the radio show, we're at one hundred and ninety five episodes. Dang. So that's two hours every week. Or a lot of the weeks. For 195 weeks? Yeah, so we started, yeah, it's it's October 2017, so we're on uh, episode 195 of the radio Mm -hmm. show and podcast. Let me pull it up. It's 160-something. Dang. I think we just did, hold on, 20. And that's a lot of guests, because we usually, like, we packed ourselves with, like, sometimes in a month, there'll be three guests and one just us by ourselves. Mm -hmm. But now with, like, a little research we've been doing and... You know, Q and A and some people out there that, um, you know, they want to hear us just as much as they want to hear guests. Which yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I was gonna say, what? How do you like the episodes that are just with you compared to the episodes that are with guests? Because I've only done, I did one episode that was me solo, and it was kind of weird, and it was shorter than a normal episode. <laughs> uh, but there's two of you, so you can have back and forth conversation. Yeah, yeah. So we we go off each other. So like we said, we do all our stuff in Google Docs, and we put like kind of what we gonna talk about but there's sometimes we hide stuff so it's like a surprise when we talk about things mm. you know? and we actually had a podcast reviewer review our podcast oh i did too i think yeah. that you yeah, yeah, you, yeah you, I, you did it first then connected me yeah so that was interesting too yeah. and uh, one of the feedback he gave us was you know have segments so we came up with like we'll do trivia and we'll like ask mm. each other sees we'll do one where it's like he gives me like a random thing in history that's that I have right. to describe in 30 seconds. <laughs> and I don't know ahead of time. So he'll just, he'll, you know, he'll be Dude. like, all right, it's, you know, hot history. Are, are we doing, are we doing an example <laughs> of that right now? Caesar, you got a, You got a hot history for Sean? I don't have anything in the chamber right now. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't come to work. Oh uh, yeah. I, I won't, I won't spring that on you, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's or like, we'll do trivia and we don't show the trivia. And one time we 
both did trivia on the same exact subject. <laughs> like randomly. Same questions. Like, like we it, had, was, uh, it was weird. Great minds. The synergy is there. Right. The synergy is there for sure. Uh, so we talked about what kind of guests you have. Do you have any like particular guests that have really stood out that you uh, have had back multiple times or that you like really uh, enjoy having on the show? Like that band, The Leak, you know, like when we reached out, they were down and and we became friends and we're still friends and we still like every time they come up here we hang out or like i we go to vegas we hang out that's always a a fantastic one salute to you guys uh sarah peters was oh yeah i think she's been on three or four times and uh, the first time we had her on she was running for office Mm -hmm. yeah she's my assembly person yeah she's yeah in our district and i knew her from beforehand and hearing her process going from you know a candidate to being elected to being reelected and ha- going through the experience, just learning about the legislative process from her and, and just seeing like, it's an example of a regular person mm-hmm. that I knew, you know, now people know her as Assemblywoman Peters, right? but like we see her as just this regular person that decided to make a difference in their community mm-hmm. and got involved. So I think uh, her, and then we've had a couple of friends we've had on a lot, Mike Moberly. Oh yeah. He did. He did Renoids too. It's funny. It is a small community because I'm realizing like everyone knows a lot of the same people. Um, I think I've had a handful of the same guests as you have, which is kind of fun because you get to, you know, hear people in different environments and kind of like different contexts. And you ask different questions Mm -hmm. and it's just, yeah. It's fun. Yeah. When I see you had someone that we've had on just to to listen and see the different. And I think that's what people enjoy too. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, Kimmel versus, you know, uh, (laughs) What's his name? <laughs> I can't Col- think of uh, you could, uh, Colbert or anything. Yeah, you know, you know they're doing the same thing, but they all have their own style, and they're going to bring things, out yeah. different, you know, perspectives in people. Totally. What do you try to bring out from your guests? Like, what do you, uh, what do you think your show brings out of your guests? I think we always look at their motivations for what they're doing and like their backstory Mm. to kind of explain to like, so people get the whole picture of this person as a person Mm -hmm. and what motivated them to do whatever they're doing. So I think that's why it's good. Like if we have someone running for office to talk, like why, you know, why are you doing this? Like, you know, we, we had a commissioner Alexis Hill on and she told a story from when she was, was like fifth grade getting upset about not having sidewalks on her street. And that's what, you know, all yeah. these years later no way. motivated her to begin, you yeah. know, get involved in politics. She's like, why do, is there no sidewalks? How do we get more sidewalks? And then it just compounded to like, oh, politicians, like they have to, you know, put grants. They have to do this. And, and it's just like, wow. Huh. We had uh, just walking, we had DJ, walking to school. We had DJ Ethic on, the, you know, he's a well-known DJ in Reno, Northern Nevada. And he told a story about his first time DJing was when he was like six years old for his mom's wedding. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah. you're destined to do this. Totally. Yeah, no, it's fine. I, I do try to do the same where I, I try to make each episode, like it's hour long-ish episode. And I try to have part of it be, what are you doing? Like, what is, what are you about? Why does it matter? And we talk a lot about Reno and kind of like how Reno's changing and like what you think about. So a lot of it's like current stuff, but I always try to include at least some piece that is uh, like a personal profile piece. Cause I think that if you listen to an episode with someone who is an expert on something or they have a story to tell, you also want to know like, who are they, right? Like, who is this person and why should I you know, yeah, care what they have to say. Like, exactly. Um, so I always try to include that as part of the conversation. I'm glad that's, you know, some of the highlights from you guys too. Yeah. Yeah. And we've gotten better at it. I mean, some, like <laughs> we've gotten better able to focus our questions and like we break up the our interview into three parts now. Mm-hmm. So we have like the first part's kind of serious. And then the second part will 
you know, anything we missed or want to expand on. And then the third part is just ra- like has nothing to do. It's kind of we do it with every guest. Yeah. Mm, gotcha. So it's like questions we ask and, and funny things that you know, oh, show yeah. a different side, uh, you know, so whether, regardless of the person, right. they've got to yeah. go through these and answer these questions. I do remember that. Yeah. There were some like rapid fire questions yeah. At, yeah, the end yeah. of, at the end of the episode. Or even like guiding a conversation too, because it's so easy, you know, especially with us having fun to go, you know, beeline something, you know, and we'll beeline a little bit, you know, to mm-hmm. give a little fun, little flavor, you know, whatever. But then like somehow we always back, back to focus, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think like, Interviewing is a skill, I'm realizing, and I had never really done it that much. I love to talk to people. I've always been a curious person. I like to have conversations. I just really enjoy discourse and talking back and forth with people. Um, But I had never actually done real, like, interviewing before the podcast. And it's a skill, I'm realizing. It just goes hard, yeah. Yeah, that, like, being able to gauge when to interrupt or when not to or when to kind of, like, steer back to a topic or when to follow up with something, like, figure out what's a good, like, road to go down. And I think that sometimes you listen to podcasts or interviews and you're like, oh, man, they're 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 missing it, you know? Like, they're not doing their job. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Even late late night shows sometimes, it's just like, I'm like, man, Jimmy is getting away from <laughs> you, dog. Yeah, well, I, I feel like sometimes, I mean, Kimmel especially, um, or no, uh, Jimmy, Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. Fallon. Sorry, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, I like Jimmy Kimmel better. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, I feel like he gets, uh, like, flustered. If something is, like, he, he laughs at everything, but sometimes he'll just, like, appear to be caught off guard mm-hmm. and not know how to respond to a guest, uh, which is challenging. I mean, especially if they're doing, you know, live TV in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's much easier in the podcast world than you can edit stuff. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge fan of editing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I started the show, I didn't think I was going to edit at all. I was like, this show is just going to be like totally just, you know, chill conversation, really natural, really, really comfortable, natural conversation. Raw. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then uh, as soon as I started editing a little bit on the first couple episodes and then listening back, I was like, oh, shit, there's no way that I can put these episodes out without doing some significant editing. No, and it's funny. I like episodes where it's just like they're so comfortable that they just tell us things. And then at the end, they're like, actually, can you cut, <laughs> can you cut that out? I was a little too comfortable <laughs> yeah. in here. And like, Whoops, I forgot I was on a microphone. Yeah, and I can't uh, I can't say it now, but I can <laughs> say it later. You know, it's like yeah. one of those things because like we've had like some artists where they had like um, – what uh, they can't talk about it before, like the episodes out or anything mm, like that. And they're right. like, actually, that has to get cut <laughs> yeah, off. That, and then we're, like, we're like, we understand. Yeah. We'll respect you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's a bunch of different podcasts in Reno I mentioned. So there's, you know, I do like a long form interview show. You guys do like a interview slash news slash um, music show. Uh, I know Chris Wagner from Double Scoop does a really good arts podcast about all the art stuff that's going on. Bob Conrad from This Is Reno does news stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's all these different podcasts that meet different kind of needs in the community. What do you think is missing? If there was going to be another podcast in Reno, if someone was like, hey, what's missing in our like podcast world? What would you like to hear? Is there a food one out there? Oh, I don't think that there is. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of room for growth. I mean, yeah. no, there are a lot of podcasts, but there's, you know, there's a niche for everything. Mm-hmm. I think we do a good job of, there's a, a lot we cover, but we do it in our own way uniquely. But yeah, I don't know, and I don't know many female podcasters in Reno. But mm-hmm. um, I know does Haley even live here still? Haley Hoff? No, oh, she's, she moved, but she's, she's moved but, to LA. Yeah, she's but she's got a podcast too, a new one. Yeah, she just and came she, out with her podcast. Yeah, too. I feel like we helped. You know, but <laughs> she's like, rad. Yeah, she, yeah, it's she called passed, uh, Hot Cont. If you're listening mm-hmm. and you want to find Haley's yeah. podcast, Hot Cont. Past guest, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. Uh, <laughs> 
I, I, I yeah. don't know of any really... Like, uh, like women are missing in a lot of the segments in society mm-hmm. in general. So women would be good, a food one, you know, like maybe like a straight music one specific, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a Biggest Little Podcast. Oh yeah, they're about to they're, uh, all, they're about to have their 500th episode party yeah, too, which is yeah. wild. Like they're like the granddaddies. They <laughs> introduced. They were the first pot. Like those guys were doing it. You know, I knew what podcasts were and listened to podcasts, but uh, they asked me to be on. It, it was almost ten years ago, and I was amazed at what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I was like, "You guys are doing this on your." It was before I ever considered having my own podcast, and I was so impressed by what they were doing. Yeah, they, I think they're they've been like twelve or thirteen years now. Something it's like before that's before the internet existed. I can't even imagine <laughs> yeah. like what thirteen years yeah, ago. Yeah, what was, even, the whole, was that? <laughs> like people were still on MySpace, right? <laughs> How, how did people find the they thing? They were in social media 1.1. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, no, I think a food podcast is a great idea. And yeah, I think that you're right. There's uh, probably not enough women podcasters. Uh, one of the challenges is just diversity in general in Reno. I'm finding I accidentally, uh, one of my seasons this year, my 10 episode seasons, I made a graphic for it to show like uh, as promotion. And I put like all the pictures from all of my guests from that season. It's like 10 white straight people. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, what did I just do? Uh, so, yeah, I think that the diversity thing is um, it's easy in a city like Reno to um, to have that, to have that happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to be like continue to be conscious of that because uh, that's not a good look yeah. for sure. And especially like the community you're in, too. You know, mm-hmm. is this kind of tough because people of color or women – it's hard for them to even like get any kind of shine mm-hmm. just because the culture we're in out here. Yeah. And that's something we've consciously mm-hmm. tried to do um, is just promote again, underserved communities yeah. or just give that provide people that perspective of, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, like on our list, there's all the shades. Yeah. We got yeah. every kind of shade that you think about and has been on our podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I've done okay, but I think I just my first season, my first year was like heavily overrepresented on LGBTQ folks because like that's all of who I knew. So like over thirty percent of our guests were like all different kinds of queer people. But then as the show kind of went on, and I you know just booked more and more guests and stopped paying as much attention, I realized like oh shit, I have to actually make a conscious effort here to make sure that it's being as inclusive as it can be. And we had to be careful because we had. Uh, we've had at times like a producer slash third person and it was three guys. Mm. So we had to be careful of like balance. Like we need to have women on yes. yeah. to balance out our view. We don't want to be, cause it's, there's so many, you know, podcasts where it's just a bunch of dudes totally talking yes, about yes. shit. Yeah. And we, you know, try to stray from that by having, you know, as many women on and we've, we've wanted like, the th- our producer slash third person, the ideal person would be a woman just to provide that perspective mm-hmm. and kind of balance out, balance us out. But yeah, once again, it's hard. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I know this is mostly about podcast stuff, but I want to talk to you guys about what you do too. And I, Sean, you're a teacher. We talked a little bit about that. So I have teacher questions because sure. lots going on in like the world of <laughs> education. How long have you been a teacher? Uh, this is my 11th year teaching and I've worked for the school district uh, for like 15 or 16 years. Oh, okay. Uh, what were you doing before you were teaching? Uh, I worked in the Title I program, like doing like a tutoring program in elementary schools. Oh, gotcha. So you do high school now, right? Yeah. Gotcha. What um, what grades do you like to teach? Do you like high school? Yeah. When I started out to be a teacher, I wanted to teach high school. It just took – I ended up falling into middle school. And <laughs> um, while 
that's okay. Like if there's, it, I, I, I love high school so much cause they're, you know, I, especially I teach seniors half the day mm-hmm. and you know, they're basically adults Yeah, and it's great to, uh, interact and have those conversations at that, like with someone who's closer to being your intellectual equal. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I think emotional, right. (laughs) Yeah. I was telling you before we started recording that, like I did not grow up with a lot of little kids around me, so I don't speak little kid. So whenever I hear people who are like a teacher for like second or third grade, I just can't imagine trying to communicate with like 30, how old are then? I don't know, seven year olds. I don't know how old they are in that grade. Yeah. Like trying to talk to 37 year olds. is just like, that's never going to happen. It's just like not even. Uh, Yeah. Like, I, I don't even know how I don't even know how to do it. Have, having them learn, I have a toddler. Like it's tough. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's good to know. Even if even with your own kids, sometimes hard to communicate. Like, I, I think I, they I should be paid more. Yes, right. like, <laughs> kindergarten teacher, like, woo! How do you control? I always tell people, yeah. like, I've worked with every mm-hmm. grade level from kindergarten to seniors in high school. The higher up you go, the easier it is, and people are like, like intimidated by teenagers. But I'm like, they're super stupid. <laughs> I mean, I'm just but like they don't know to yeah. you as an adult yeah. they are they don't know anything yet you just have to realize that you know think back to how you were and have some empathy for the way they are and mm-hmm. you know I, I i try to be reasonable and they really really appreciate me just being reasonable and understanding that they're teenagers yeah and they don't have control of their emotions right or, i don't know if it's true or not but i would like to think that when you talk to young people as if they are like normal human beings that they like that and that that is a good way to communicate or is that not true do you always. need to okay Always. I, even when I worked with younger kids, I always talked to them just straight up, straightforward. I think, you know, they always appreciate that. The thing I think people always underestimate about children is how savvy they are and how easily they see through bullshit mm-hmm. and insincerity. And I think they always pick up on people who are sincere. So I never have had problems with, regardless of the age, it's just as long as I'm sincere and straightforward. Gotcha. What, what made you want to be a teacher in general? Like, how did you get, uh, what was your interest initially? Um, that's a good story. I this like is, this one. Lay it down. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I, I went to college and I thought about being a teacher. And my freshman year, my supervisor at work got hired. Like she graduated, got hired to be a teacher, and she was making like twenty five thousand dollars a year. And I was like, I'm not going to school for four years to get paid twenty five thousand dollars. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to college to be poor. <laughs> <laughs> so I graduated with a degree in psychology. I got like a job in sales. Um, Work, and I was making good money. It was a very stressful job, um, but I was making as much money then as I am now at like 23, 24, but I hated my life. I hated, I worked for a huge corporation and I was incentivized to like take advantage of people mm-hmm. who just were un, like in general uneducated and didn't have the information I did. And like, we were just encouraged to leverage that to the maximum Ugh. point, but I didn't like see any benefit. Yeah. You know, it didn't benefit me personally. Right. Even if it the company I was working for, welcome to capitalism. And I just, <laughs> I, I <laughs> quit. To America. I like, I, I literally quit and, uh, had no fallback plan really. <laughs> and, uh, I I'd always worked with kids in college and I loved it. And I ran into a kid randomly who I had had like an after school program where I'd worked and he told me how much like of a difference I made. And I was like, well, you know, maybe I should think about teaching if I can impact him. And I wasn't even his teacher. You know, what impact could I have if I was actually, you know, teaching kids. Mm-hmm. So I went back to, to grad school and got my de- degree and teaching license and the rest is history. Right on. How is this year going? Because I know last couple of years have been like 
all kinds of wild stuff with COVID, with closures, with it's masks, been more with normal. rules. Yeah, what's uh, uh, routine wise? Yeah. It's been normal, but the kids we have are the ones that were like in the worst age when COVID hit. Like I have mm. seniors, so those kids were like going into high school when COVID hit. Right. So they have terrible, terrible habits, and uh, they really have trouble with their cell phones and in communicating, mm. like verbally, like communicating with each other and like in a. <laughs> face-to-face mm-hmm. yeah just like the, the social skills of like engaging yeah. with people in person so like that's something i've had to address a lot is just social skills and you know it's like not <laughs> appropriate to like of av- like there's a lot of avoidance of everything things snowball really quickly because they freak out because oh i missed something instead of just coming to me and explaining the situation and me being like sure and helping them mm-hmm. they just avoid avoid put off put off uh, until it's like too late and i'm like if you'd come to me two <laughs> weeks ago with this this would have been a much smaller problem but mm-hmm. we'll see it's it'd be interesting as time continues to see the effects these other kids have because they were younger so maybe they weren't as affected yeah it'll probably be interesting because i imagine it all the different age ranges there's gonna be some negative effect in a different way for everybody right like yeah. some kids are going to be screwed up on the social skills some kids are going to be addicted to their phones some kids are going to be uh, like way behind on the actual education stuff so yeah probably some bad stuff all around <laughs> yeah <laughs> You have a new superintendent too, right? Is it uh, like yeah, Susan Enfield? Enfield yeah. yeah. So, and she just started this this year, right? This mm-hmm. uh, this a last. Ago. Uh, how's that going? What do you think of our? Because I know we've had. I don't. I don't follow that closely. I have a lot of family who's in education, but um, I don't follow the news that much. But I know the last couple superintendents maybe have been. We've had issues. It's a thankless job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a thankless job. Yeah. Um, one, the thing I. This is the thing that people always complain about how much they get paid. But I'm like, they oversee 60,000 yeah, students. It's a big job. And thousands of people. And I'm like, it just goes with the disrespect. Because I'm like, if someone, that's, they're basically the CEO of the school district. Mm-hmm. People are complaining because they make like 350 grand. But I'm like, even teachers. But I'm like, if they don't make, if you don't value what they're doing, why would people value what we're doing? Mm-hmm. And that I think it's a reflection. Like, the last four superintendents we've had have either been, uh, disgraced, like revealed to have broken the law, or like everyone, they've just never gotten a fair shake, regardless. To me, it's a thankless job. And she's come in, you know, the last two have like had to deal with COVID and mm. the, the downfall and everything being politicized. And people don't realize like the district has no control over the curriculum or what's taught. You know, that's decided by the state legislature. Like, mm-hmm. so. I wish her the best of luck. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. wouldn't. You couldn't pay me enough to right. do that job. <laughs> well, she she comes from a like a good background, right? Like she was in Seattle for a long time, and I think like really well regarded. So I think that that's encouraging. That at least you know from the get go, it seems like good things. Yeah, but I mean, she stepped into a situation where we had massive t-shirt shortages, and she mm. had to make tough, unpopular decisions. Her first week on the job. Right. But I mean, so, but unpopular, but I think uh, I, I had Kaylin Evans on the podcast a couple months ago. And I know he was here too a couple of years ago with the Empower Nevada Teacher stuff. And I think it was him who was saying that they brought people from uh, roles that were not teachers back to the classroom where it's like, oh, you're a specialist at this thing um, and you're not actually teaching students. Sorry, we got a shortage. Like you got, you got to go teach some kids. And those people had two weeks or one week notice and got shoved into classrooms they're not qualified uh, for um i know someone personally who had been had taught at my school for years had accepted one of those positions a month before the school starts the year started 
So then her position got filled at our school. And then Um, she ended up having to go back to some random other school teaching a random subject that she was not used to. So, you know, you hear stories like that. It's like, that's what I mean. It's, there's downsides to it. Like it was, this is literally triage. It's worst case scenario. It's not a permanent solution. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is the, that's how bad things are. She had to make, yeah, she had to do like, this is like stop the bleeding at all costs type of move that she can only do once. Mm Mm-hmm. And lots of people are not happy with it, and some people have left the provision over it. Oh, gotcha. And then there's even more of a shortage. And it's not solving any of the long-term issues that she has no control of. You know, like, gotcha. It's not her fault there's a teacher yeah. shortage. It's not her fault. No one respects education. Right. How do we fix that? <laughs> Sean, fix education for us. How do, um, we, how do we fix the respect for teachers and make them get paid more and have our education system work perfectly? We should move to a different country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it's going to take. <laughs> or, like, or like New York. Do they have good schools in New York? New they York, do. They get paid... They they yeah, get paid a lot. so much. Like mm-hmm. public schools in New York, they get paid way more than the like private schools here in Nevada. Mm-hmm. Well, the private schools don't pay teachers. That's they, a myth. They, they don't. They That's don't pay. a myth. Private school no. teachers don't make that much money. Either. But uh, everyone like they like to get degrees and like go to New York because they get like a decent salary, not necessarily like a livable salary, you know, mm-hmm. but like a decent compared to like I mean, a yeah. lot of the others. I went through, became a teacher at like post recession. Mm-hmm. So I was in grad school in like 2008, 2009. And, uh, there was like a teacher, there was a hiring freeze when uh, I graduated. Yeah. So it took me like a year to find a job. And I was looking at, you know, other districts to see starting salaries. And it was appalling, you know, like, um, even with a master's degree, I think, I, I think it, it might be like $42,000. You start off mm-hmm. as, <laughs> So that's not. Yeah, I, I think Caitlin was saying that people leave here a lot too. Like people are they're going to school to be a teacher, and then they realize, oh shit, I can do any number of other jobs that are much less stressful. That I don't have to deal with all the political bullshit. I can go work at Costco or whatever, and like make as much as I would as a teacher. Or they look in other districts and other states, and they're like, oh sweet, all I got to do is move one state over, and I'm making an extra like twenty grand a year. Done. It's life changing money. Yeah, and I love my job. I love teaching. But I also, you know, I don't know if I'll be doing it for 10, like 10 or 15 years from now. Who mm-hmm. knows? You know, like I, I'm not going to be one of those people who holds on because I'm burned out. Right. I've seen enough of those people and that's never going to, it couldn't be me. So I will do it as, as long as I have the passion for it and enjoy it, I'll, I'll keep doing it. And then if the time comes where I don't, then I'll, I'll have to, to leave. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you're still enjoying it for now. How many years in now? 12 years? I only got 16 more left. Yeah. <laughs> it's a retirement. Not hey, halfway there. Yeah, Almost. Man. Get there. Uh, and Caesar, you do, you're a photographer, right? So yeah. I was looking at your website, and you do all different kinds of photography. So you do, like, you know, wedding and events, and you do brand stuff, and you do landscapes and, like, nature photography, all these kind of things. What got you started in photography? Like, were you always interested in photography, or did you have something that you got started with that kind of, like, caught your attention? Yeah, so, like, I grew up right in BMX. And I was like looking through a BMX magazine and I saw this one photo. I still remember it all the time that it's like, that's an awesome photo. I want to do something like that. So then when I, um, you know, saved up money, got a camera, that was when I first started taking photos. It was just homies riding bicycles, you mm. know, skate park or, you know, whatever. The more I started traveling, the more I got interested in everyday life you know let's say you go to la something funny happens in the street like oh i could have took a picture of that Mm -hmm. you know and then that slowly got 
to my street photography, what I really like to do. I noticed there's a couple like street photographers here in Reno who I follow on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's kind of a good setting for it. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Reno's got a lot of good like street photography potential? For me, not really, because I like to uh, tell a little story with a picture, Hmm. you know, in Reno, not a lot of people go out all the time, like in a big city, you know, Gotcha. in L.A. or like New York, people are just out in general, everyday life. And, you know, Reno people just come out like events and things Mm -hmm. like that. So not as much, but you can still tell a little story, you know, with what little people are around, things like that. And there's different genres within that street photography thing as well. What's the moneymaker in photography? Is it wedding stuff? Is it uh, brand (laughs) stuff? Weddings and portraits are like the moneymakers. And I do it because, like, I do have fun, Mm -hmm. you know, like shooting weddings and portraits and things like that. But at the end of the day, like, I don't want to do that all the time. I like to do it because I don't need to do it all the time. Because if I had to do, like, to support my family and do, like, two or three weddings a month, for the whole year, I go crazy probably because it's a lot. It's a lot of stress. You got to make sure, you know, your clients are happy and, mm-hmm. you know, get the photos they want and things like that. But I'm, I'm at a good place where I got my nine to five and I could be like, okay, cool. I can do a wedding. Yes. Or like, oh, I don't want to. I'm going to go on vacation with my family because my nine to five supports the household or, you know, half of the household because, <laughs> you know, how the economy is. And it's cool because I get to choose. If I had to yeah. do, if I had to take every job, I'd probably go crazy. Right. What What makes a good client for those kind of photo shoots? Like, if someone hired you for a wedding, like, what do you want them to know before you show up to <laughs> to, to not ruin your day? Uh, to let them know that they pick me for my artist or creative view, mm. and not because what they see on Instagram or Pinterest and stuff. And like, yes, everyone can do that. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, if they want something, like, say we go to Tahoe, right, and they want everything blurred out in tahoe and i'm like but why do you pay so much money to have a wedding in tahoe and not see where you're at Mm -hmm. you know so yes i'll do like the you know all blurry bokeh out you know background but they end up loving the pictures that everything is in focus you know we're like yes that is tahoe and people know that's a beautiful place that they picked to get their wedding at boom 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 yeah i didn't even i mean i didn't ask caesar to be the photographer for my wedding because I knew how stressful it is. And, like I would have loved to have have him shoot it, but I wanted him to enjoy himself and be a part of it without having that extra responsibility. Oh, that's good. That was that's nice of you because I'm sure that would be a kind of a bummer to have to work and and deal and then with be that. a part of the wedding too, right? You know? like, and I just I've seen how stressful it is, and I know how stressful you know it's a job. Like you, you can't enjoy yourself, and then you gotta you know please these clients, and yeah. sometimes like and that's the main thing. I, I'm like you pick me. For my artistic view. Mm-hmm. If you want this stuff, there's plenty of people that do it. I have their phone numbers. Here it is. But if you want me, you're choosing me because you want black and white. You want me to tell a story. You want me to do those candid shots with like you and your mom that you didn't even think anybody was there. And both of you guys are in tears and, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, well, I think that's a common thing with any kind of creative work where you're dealing with clients that um, you know, the, the client is always right, but they're actually not. And you gotta, you gotta fight with them to actually be able to do the thing that they hired you for. And then it's also like what they see on the internet too, you know, mm. what you see on the internet's highly polished, highly 
thought out, strategized, you know, for the average person. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, we're the same way. Like, we, if we a DJ event or something, yeah. we're like, <laughs> no requests. Like, yeah, no requests. <laughs> like, it, you know, we have our style. If you don't want our style, then we're not the DJs. Yeah. Pick, pick somebody. Because there's so many people. Pick, you can, yeah, if you want a basic else. person that's going to play, like, you know, once you want them to play, like, that's not. <laughs> right. Yeah, don't pick someone and then tell them to do something that they don't do. Exactly. I don't know how to take a photo for the life of me. I've, you know, I've got like a good camera on my phone now. Um, but I, I traveled around the country a few years ago. I did this huge road trip. I got like five pictures that are worth a damn out of the whole thing. Um, <laughs> no, so, but that's how it is though. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Can you, what would you, what do you tell someone who I have no photography background? I don't know anything at all. Is there like a tip or two that you can give to normal ass people to take a decent photo? Um, you could use your phone. <laughs> Seriously, I take photos so many days out of the year, and probably I get five favorites in a whole year. It's hard, but any tips? Just just shoot photos because you love it, and that's it. I could probably give you better tips I've learned from him. (laughs) There's simple things like centering the subject of the photo correctly in the shot, Mm -hmm. having balance between the horizon and like the ground. You know, like getting that good angle. Like you want a low angle, you know, you probably want to get lower, especially me, I'm taller. So these are just things I've learned from watching him and learning how to take better pictures. Is he he thinks about those things mm-hmm. way in more in depth than the average person. Yeah. And he just knows like, oh, you know, if I'm taking a photo, I'm not going to hold the camera above people's faces down on their face. Because like, that's not very like- Flattering. Flattering. And like you get low down because you want to make stuff look powerful and things mm-hmm. like that, but- like the thing is, like just shoot photos, and eventually you'll find your own style. Because not everyone has the same style. Yeah, I gotta start paying more attention because I take photos basically every night. I host trivia nights, and at the end of the night, we take pictures of all the winners and we put them on Facebook. And I realize it's like the same photo every week after week after week. I scroll through one of the photo albums, and I'm like, oh man, I've done absolutely nothing interesting with any of these photos well, for three but years. It, but it's fun. Sometimes <laughs> in portraits, that's how it is too. Yeah, you know. Like same poses, same, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. All I just tell people is just shoot because you want to shoot and you'll find your own style eventually. Don't necessarily copy what's on the internet. Don't necessarily, but just follow your heart. Mm-hmm. I knew Caesar was a good photographer because like every picture he would take and he'd show of me, I looked great in the pictures. And like, I, I, I would be like, God damn, this is amazing. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the goal, right? And I'm like, but then, then there, that's another level that you have to be comfortable with people, you know? Mm. That's why, like, for a wedding, I try to have two or three meetings before the wedding. Just so they, like, there's just not some strange guy with a big old beard, you know, walking around, getting close. Because, like, my style, I like to shoot wide. I like to get in your bubble, you mm. know? So, like, to have a first meeting, cool. This is what I do, you know? Like, and they're like, oh, this person recommended me. Awesome, cool. Then I give them a little bit of homework and be like, what photos do you want me to do? Cool, we'll meet another coffee date or at the bar, whatever they're comfortable with. Another one, cool. Talk about it more. Third third date, they're comfortable. They're like, oh, we've already met you. You're awesome. You're funny. Like, whatever the situation is. So by the time the wedding comes, they're not weirded out about me, like, being in his bubble. He's put in the work to properly court his clients. Yeah. <laughs> well, I imagine especially for weddings. Cause, and then a wedding's so important because you can't duplicate a lot of stuff. It's like one and done, and that's it. And you're always fast on mm-hmm. your toes. Like, you're watching the stuff. 
and making stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Sean, you're on the Arts and Culture Commission, right? I am. Tell me a little bit about the Arts and Culture Commission. What do you, I understand you have kind of input in what the city does arts and culture-wise. Let's go. But I've heard, but I, but I've heard uh, I had Jenny Breckis on uh, early in this last year, uh, and she talked a lot about how the city has this master plan that they just ignore. And then I know I've read uh, Alicia Barber's Barber Brief, and she's like, oh, we have this historical commission, and the city just like rolls out this historic – like uh, this – blockchain tracking thing that like they don't even consult the historical people um so for you on the arts and culture commission um does the city listen to you what does that what does that look like what's your relationship with the city it's funny because Ginny just became our uh our official city council liaison oh, okay for her last uh, year or last term um <laughs> yeah we are it, it, officially we are appointed by city council and our job is to advise them and give them recommendations for public art. We do have a budget for public art. We did start Art Town a long time ago, and we do support art. But like, we give out grants to all sorts of different organizations, and we put on like different events throughout the year. And uh, we advise the art. There's like a public art committee that meets for like you know you see if you see a mural or something on a public space. You know, we put out a call of arts for that, and then everyone applies, and then the public art committee goes and goes through the proposals. Then they make a recommendation to us, we vote on it, and we send that to city council. For those types of things, they usually just listen. Yeah. Because, I mean, we listen to the public art committee mm-hmm. because those are artists, and they that's their job. We take their recommendations, we approve them, pass them on to council. They don't always listen to us. Um if people are familiar with the Spacewell saga, there's... Oh, yeah. There's... Um, for people who are not familiar with the Spacewell saga, what's the, what's the, the short version that I understand is um, the Spacewell was a Burning Man thing that the city leased in 2017, and then um, there was no plan to ever get rid of it, and the guy who owned it was like, oh, I don't want this thing unless you buy it for... buy it, Just buy it for me, but I want a million dollars. So it... He also did not... Uh... Uh, keep up proper maintenance on it. Oh yeah, it was busted. It was falling apart, and it th- that was a, a public danger. Mm. And uh, we recommended that uh, just it's time has passed, like all things in life. Yeah, and to uh, you know remove it and move on to something else. Mm-hmm. And other people um, disagreed with that. And I think anyone who pays attention uh, will to what goes on at city councils. You know, they have their own agenda. Um, they don't always listen to public comment or to the, you know, pan- they don't have to. That's their prerogative. We serve at their leisure, at their pleasure. <laughs> right. um, so, you know, that's, they're public servants. If people are unhappy with the decisions they make, they can vote for other people. Um, but they have the right to not listen to what people have to say and make their own choices. And sometimes they exercise that right. Gotcha. How can people have... Uh- or try to have their voices heard about the art that they want to see in Reno or what they want to oh, see happen. All of our meeting, we meet once a month on the third Monday of every month from 4 to 6 p.m. Um, McKinley Art Center that, that you can also watch on Zoom. Um, and there's this, we have public comment. You, know, every, you can come make public comment. You can comment on things. But also know that like – we we're only limited to like who applies for these call of arts and who we could get more community involvement with that. Sometimes it's frustrating. You know, we put out ads and commercials wanting as many people as possible to get, you know, the more people who apply, the better, but sometimes our choices are limited to who the, the people are that apply. 
So there, you know, there's like all things in government. It's not like some one person making, you know, there's mechanisms and, you know, as a government teacher, uh, lack of civic engagement is a major issue in this country and we could all stand to be more civically engaged. So I think, you know, getting involved and seeing how these different committees in the city work and their relationship with city council is something that, you know, I encourage every person to do because you really learn how things work and the limits of power in government. And it's, it's a two way street. If you're unhappy with the outcomes, it's maybe because there's not enough people engaged and participating in the process. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you recommend that people get um, like what's the low hanging fruit? What's the easiest way to kind of like tune into what's going on? Because I know people are busy. Like you said, people are not. I mean, follow local news. So, you know, this is Reno. The interviews like people podcasting like us who Mm -hmm. interview people, the Barber Report. But also you can go to like uh, each ward has a. Like I'm a media. Oh yeah, the the NAB, the neighborhood advisory neighborhood boards. advisory yeah. boards. I think that would be like the entry point. You go to the neighborhood advisory board meetings. I think they're once or twice a month. They might even be twice a month. Uh, you can start there. Um, some council members attend those. I mean, it's really hard to go to a city council meeting because they're like in the middle of the day, but they're all recorded. Yeah. Um, my students have to do projects where they have to watch these, and you can you know all meetings are public knowledge. So they're all recorded. There's notes if they're not recorded. So you can go through and you can watch any of these meetings you want. They're all on YouTube. The city of Reno has a YouTube page where you can watch all these things. And whether it's if you're concerned about development, you know, look at the go to these meetings where they're where they're talking about that. If you're art, you know, arts and culture commission meeting, there's the parks department in their uh, meeting. So whatever you're interested, there's all sorts of different commissions uh, that are volunteer. Some of them you know, focused on different aspects of, of community life. And that's one way you can get involved. Right on. Um, we're recording this before new year's Eve, but that'll come out after new year's Eve, but we'll do a new year's question. Anyways, I'm not trying to do resolutions, uh, cause I always fail at them, but I watched a, <laughs> I watched a YouTube video the other day that talked about instead of having a resolution for the year, have like a theme that's very broad and very flexible, uh, like it might be learning. So my theme for the year is learning, whatever that means for me on a given day or month or week or whatever. Uh, so that, you know, it's harder to fail when you don't have a specific goal, those kind of things. So, uh, what are your new year's resolutions and or themes? What are you hoping to do in 2023? For me, get out of town more mm. you know? just cause I used to travel a lot before. Now with the kids, it's a little tougher. But to get out and just see more, because everything's changed since the pandemic. Yeah. Where are you trying to go? Just anywhere. <laughs> it's tough with the kid, you know, all the parents know. And like, even like a quick day trip to Sacramento is always refreshing, you know, mm-hmm. Sac grows a lot. And then same thing with like the Bay Area. So it doesn't even need to be far. Just out of Reno to get out of the context and like, you know, get out of the bubble and then yeah. come back and just refreshed. I feel that. I used to be a huge traveler and the last couple of years with COVID, with, um, you know, mm. I have a job now, like those kind of things. It was nice. <laughs> when I wasn't working that much, it was like, cool, I can do whatever I want I to. Work, I work. But now, now I have to actually like call out of work and like yeah. make a plan and I can't just like, you know, up and fuck off wherever I want to. <laughs> yeah. And like Leia's getting old enough too. She's three. So like she's getting better to travel. Oh, gotcha. She's getting better to travel with. Yeah, like I can't wait till she's at the age where she could like last a whole day on a trip. Yeah. Like on her feet and we just like spot to spot, try new food. When Caesar travels, his part of his street photography is he walks the streets of the city. Like he gets just that's why he likes to do this. But he gets around, you know, 
get down and walk amongst the people. Mm-hmm. It gets that vibe of what it's like to I be like that to go city. to a city and like Monday through Friday and see how the city lives during the week, not mm. just like the weekend, like Friday and Saturday, all the tourist time. Right. You know? Yeah. I like to see how the city ticks. Yeah. I like to see how it works. And, you know, that's very important to me. And like even here in Reno, like I try to come out during the week, you know, but streets are pretty you know people working you know? hard hard to do with a two-year-old too probably yeah, I yeah three is tough and like like i said maybe you know seven years old and she could like stand a whole mm-hmm. and stand there a whole you go. day and yeah. like she, she could carry all my she, stuff exactly she, carry, she can carry your gear bag yeah. and then like you know but you know but just just see other cities and see you know because reno we always talk about it too reno needs more diversity in food and until it happens like i gotta go somewhere else yeah how about you sean what's up in 2023 I think, um, you know, going through major life changes, like uh, recently getting married and all that goes along with that, and we're, we're trying to buy a home. So just, tr- I think, finding that balance in life between all the things I've got going on to where I'm not, like, exhausted or run down or and saying no to certain things and, and putting aside time to, to, you know, just keep an even kill so that I'm not worn down and finding the balance between all these things. And it's, you know... It's going to be tough recalibrating and saying no to certain things. And even though I might want to do them, but just knowing like that's not, but also still saying yes to new things, not being afraid to do new things and, and push myself for both professionally, artistically, and as a, as a human. So I think, uh, focus i'm really focusing on that right now during break and keeping that in mind, that in mind as we, as this year starts, because we're going to start up and, you know, school's going to start back. We're going to be doing the podcast and the radio show and everything else that's going on, you know, as we approach spring. So, uh, yeah, keeping that balance and, and remembering, like, it's okay to say no to things. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough balance. I have tried to have a general policy of, like, saying no to things. And I am sort of a minimalist sometimes with, like, physical belongings. Like, I don't buy things. I don't want new things, those kind of things. Um, but I have found that if you get too much in the habit of saying no, I don't want to do this. I'm, you know, I'm protecting my peace, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's very easy to then when you actually have to do something to be like, oh shit, I forgot how to do things. Like it's very easy for the uh, protecting yourself from too much to turn into like losing the skill to take on new challenges. So that's, I guess that's probably my theme for 2023 is like get out of that bubble of saying no to everything and being like, oh, you know what? I am capable of doing more than I'm doing. I have the capacity to like put in a little more energy. So I guess that's mine is like, I've done enough saying no. It's time to start like saying yeah, yes. And that's, it's always good to push yourself a little bit. And that's part of mine is. But know your boundary. Um, it's, I was just reading about this. The most productive people work in sprints. And, mm-hmm. yep. and I think, you know, that's something I have to remember is like to take that downtime. When you're busy, it's really easy to do a lot. But you got to give yourself that downtime to recharge and and, mm-hmm. and rest. And the recharging and resting are two different things too. Like yes. resting is completely different from recharging and getting mm-hmm. ready to go. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, all these things like teaching is very emotionally draining. Teachers understand this. It's hard to describe, but every day you're teaching, you have to be on. Like I always tell, I used to tell my roommate, like you can go to work hungover on Monday. And you can kind of bullshit your way through the day, faking, going through the motions, not really interact. But like as a teacher, you ne- there's no days off. There's yeah. no days like that. Yeah, nowhere to hide. Yeah. It, every day, I, you know, when that bell rings, I have to be on. 
and that it's it can be draining. Like the the students need a lot from you, and to be a good teacher, I feel like takes a lot. So, you know, using the downtime to to rest and recharge, I think, is very important. Yeah. Last question for you guys. Uh, you're podcasters. You have a lot of guests on your show. I'm trying to talk to a lot of interesting and important people in Reno. Who should be on Renoites? Who do you want to hear on the show, or who do you recommend I uh, reach out to? Who's someone we've had that he, or that we yeah, know? I'm trying to think. Lily's always awesome. Have you had Lily? Uh, I did. On? Yeah, Lily. Lily was on uh, early, like about a year ago or so. That was a great episode too, because it was all about activism in general. And I have, I had not had an episode that was. Uh, as closely tied with like the mutual aid groups and activism and kind of that uh, that type of politics too. So it was uh, that was a great episode, really, really informative. I know she's been here a couple times, right? Yeah, um, she's gonna hate if I say this, uh, Natalie. Uh, oh, yeah. she, she does not like to talk, but she is. Fantastic. She's one of our favorite guests. She's yes. one of our favorite people. Is it, Natalie, Natalie Handler? Natalie, oh, okay, yeah. I think we're, we're friends on Facebook. I don't know if I've, I'm trying to remember if I've met her in person or not, but I'm. I'm familiar, but she's not been on the show. And she I know she's a lot of mutual aid work. Yeah. And she's just, she's, uh, and like, she knows tons about Nevada mm. in general and Reno and, uh, is a fantastic person in general. And she knows so much. We would have her on regularly if she would do it. I'll, I'll, I'll she can always say no. I'll reach yeah, out to her. Reach out to her. Um, Definitely. Who else? Yeah. Who else? Well, one of one of my hopes, and, and maybe I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but um, I'd like to do. I have a little more capacity. Like I said, I'm trying to do more this year, um, and there are a lot of like mutual aid organizations. I talked to uh, Nicole from Family Soup Mutual Aid recently, and I think that it would be kind of cool to do a like a mini series or a spinoff series that's with several of these different kind of local mutual aid groups about what specifically they're doing. Um, so yeah, there's a, a great list I think there. Yeah. We want to get the Reno Burrito Project on. That's oh yeah, yeah, someone we we've wanted to reach out to for a while. So yeah, we'll have to. But there's so I mean that's the thing. There's so many people doing so many good things that mm-hmm. well we'll never run out. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, biggest. No, that's yeah, that's the biggest thing is when I started the show is like. Reno's a big enough city and there's enough going on that I'm never going to run out of potential guests. There's so many people doing interesting things, important stuff that matters that, you know, I always ask for recommendations, but uh, I don't think I'm ever going to struggle to find uh, interesting people. And sometimes it takes, you know, it's taken us three or four years to get people on just because things don't work out or COVID happened or, you know, the, the schedules get crazy and eventually... We get them on, and it's a great episode. Oh, for sure. A lot of my guests it took a it took a long time to actually get in front of the microphone. Yeah, because everyone's adults. They have other things. To oh, do, totally. Yeah, I, I get and that. It's just super hard. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for letting us use your studio. <laughs> it's, it's easy for me. It's, yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah. That's that's a win-win. I love that because you got better equipment than me. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. It was great to be on your show a year ago, and it's nice to kind of come back and, and revisit um, and catch up and, and do a little bit different format with you guys. So thanks for uh, taking the time and for talking about podcasting stuff because I'm like a giant <laughs> podcasting nerd. I hope listeners actually give a shit about podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, probably <laughs> You should you should all listen to our podcast. Yes, yeah. yeah. Listen to up in the so. Oh yeah, where do people find uh, your podcast, your radio show? How do they uh, uh, social media? Like, do all your pitches. Yeah, uh, up in the mix on all podcast streaming platforms. Social media up in the mix live. We're on uh, Instagram, Twitter, kind of Facebook, but I think we we're, yeah, we're kind of moving yeah, off yeah, yeah, Facebook, I focusing on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we have a YouTube page up in the mix, and. Uh, the radio show is every Friday night on K Wink, which is ninety seven point seven, uh, from nine to eleven. We play nothing but the best in all things hip hop <laughs> yes, and R and B. You can also stream it on kwinkradio.org. 
you should check out their website and perhaps become a member and mm-hmm. and support it and uh yeah just check uh, up in the mix on all on everything and caesar's uh della photo d-e-l-a-f-o-t-o dot photography excellent well thank you again guys for coming on the show really appreciate it thank you thanks for having us listeners thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of renoites and special thanks as always to my guests this week sean richardson and caesar lopez from up in the mix make sure you're checking out their show as well it is available wherever you get your podcasts this season of renoites is produced by myself and lynn lazaro who helped me starting last season, a journalism student from UNR, and is still continuing to help me with the show. Very grateful for Lynn's support on this project. And for all of our patrons who support the show, thank you very, very much. I really could not do this without a little bit of financial support from our listeners. So if you are interested in joining their ranks, that's patreon.com slash And as always, if you have any feedback or guest suggestions, email Connor, C-O-N-O-R, at renoites.com. That's all I've got for you this week. See you next time.